Hey Church, Pastor Eric here, and I'm just so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I just pray that this message will stir up your faith, build you up, and just move you closer to the Father's heart. If you want to learn more about us as a church or would like to get further connected, you can visit us at our website at oasischurchchicago.com, download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, and also join us on YouTube for our live streams on Sundays and Wednesdays. We hope you find this message to be encouraging and life-giving. Now here's today's message from Pastor JP. Kingdom of heaven is at hand. Anybody thankful for that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're saying, man, we want to be people that are just desperate. The question I want to just start from this as we go into this last pillar of this house. Are you desperate for Jesus? Do you wake up hungry, thirsty for Jesus? Because more than ever, he is calling this house. I'm only speaking to this this house. He's calling us to be people that are no longer satisfied with a moment. No longer satisfied with just a, a, a glimpse. He wants to reveal the whole picture. That's a good word. He's just, not just one splash. He wants to dump the whole bucket of water on us and let this thing just get crazy. Okay? That's where we're going. That's what we're doing, to see wholeness in people. And so you're going to experience that through the family formations. We're creating a resource center here at Oasis where we're going to have all different things that might help you and minister to you in your journey and your process, whether it be from your finances to you're about to get engaged and you need premarital counseling, you need counseling, you, you need um, um, help with health and nu- nutrition, all these different things. We're coming. You need help building a resume. We're building a church structure where we're saying we want to see wholeness in every area of our lives in Jesus' name. We're not satisfied with just Sunday mornings. These have been awesome and they're good, but we're going to continue to pursue and practice the ways of Jesus together. Amen? So we've gone through our four pillars, our three pillars. This will be our fourth one. This is what holds up our vision and mission statement that Jesus has now given to us, which is this. We are a community formed and shaped by the truth of Jesus and his presence in and among us. As we practice the way of Jesus together, we are called to be a wellspring of life amidst the desert of the city to be connected and to connect others to the life-giving waters of God's holy presence. That last part is focused on today. To be connected and to connect others to the life-giving waters of God's holy presence. God's word is our first pillar that we talked about. God's presence is our second. God's family last week. Come on, that was a powerful Sunday. We're so grateful that we get to do this thing together. And this week, the fourth pillar is God's city. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about what it means to be people, his family, here in this city. We've learned over the past few weeks about how we encounter God through his word and entering into his story, right? You guys know this. We, we've talked about this. And then through his presence, we are allowed to, it, the story of God, it becomes animated to us. The Holy Spirit brings forth the word of God, the, the written word, the Holy Spirit speaking to us. It's the, it's the an, an animation to our lives of the written word of God. And then we talked last week that we are part of this story. We have a role to play in the story as his family. And this week, we want to talk as brief as I can, but as, as clear as I can, how this thing plays out, how we as the family of God go and play this thing out here in this city. It is not the call for us just to come and have Sundays and that be it. It's the call for us to take what we have in these moments, take what we have in our table moments, and go out to this city that we feel God is trying to work in and through. 
Okay, this is in my notes, and I don't know how much I'm going to get to my notes. Are you, is that all right? I'm going to preach, though. Is that okay? Because I'm burdened for this city more than ever. Two reasons why. I'm tired of seeing 13-year-old kids hijack, carjack cars because that's all they think that they have in this life. If that doesn't break your heart, if that doesn't mess you up, get to God, please. It's not just, oh, for that's the south side or the west side. Or, no, no, that's for us. No one else is coming except the people of God to stand guard and say enough's enough. We're going to contend on our knees. We're going to get out on the streets and we're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ because God cares about this city. The second thing is, believe it or not, people are praying for Chicago all over the country, all over the globe. It's wild. I'm getting text messages from random dudes going, man, the Lord just burdened Chicago on my heart today. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, I'm broken over it. I'm weeping over it. Dude, don't stop doing this. This city matters. And I think Satan is trying to uproot and steal a whole bunch of people out of this place so that the city can maintain darkness. And I'm here to say, no, 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 no. We're going to lay roots and we're going to go deeper than ever before because God cares about Chicago turning upside down. I believe it. Not because we planted a house here. We don't know how long we will even be here. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. <laughs> Today, though, as I'm shoveling at six in the morning in the alley and just, Lord. <laughs> but man, what if we just created and God just instilled an army into this city and raised up people to go and see captives set free? You guys know this. You guys have the power of the Holy Spirit in you to see captives set free. It's not just my mouth. It's us. And God cares about the city. God cares deeply about the city. And so Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, real quick, open them up to 42 through 47. I'm just going to read it real fast. And then just touch on a couple things that I believe God wants to minister to us to get us realigned, refocused on why the city is a pillar in this house. It says this in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed together and had all things in, and, all, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Powerful. These people were selling homes. Selling donkeys, I think. Selling livestock. Selling everything they could so that when needs came up, they were met. That's the power of the church. That's the power of the church. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Notice that. What does it say? Just the church folk? What does it say? Better, better, one more time. We'll try again. What does it say? All people. City. All people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Day by day, those who were being saved. So today I want to just talk about the family of God. That we are not called to just have these walls and be satisfied. But we are called to take what happens in these moments and go out and influence this city called Chicago with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
This is our call. This is our mandate. And I truly believe something. God cares about cities. God actually created the city for humans to flourish. If you think about it, if we go back to the garden, right? The very first thing that happened, the very first thing that happened, they create, God created a garden, right? We've gone back to this every week. Isn't it funny that we just keep going back to the beginning? Isn't that a good place to go? The beginning. That when God created the garden, what he did was he created a place for man to dwell with him and each other. And what's powerful is that is that God created this garden so that the garden could bring proximity to him, but also intimacy with him and with each other. Many Old Testament scholars would agree, and I agree, that, that the garden was God's first city. It was a city, many people believe it was, it was the connection point between the supernatural kingdom of God and the natural, and it came together and it met, and that, that garden was actually a city where God, and the original plan was to go and build this garden, to have men and women dwell in the garden with him, and to cultivate the ground, and, and take care of the ground, and make sure that the, it, remember, if you guys remember that it said that no dew or mist came to the ground until man was there? God wanted the city, the garden, to be the first city where people would come and be in proximity with one another and have intimacy with one another. Cities are a place where this happens. Now, listen, we love the suburbs. We're not out here to say anything against the suburbs. That's not our context, though, okay? I have family. My parents minister in the suburbs. They've been doing it for their entire life. But we, and those of you that call Chicago home, we are here not by chance, I don't think even if you're here for a student for a couple of years, you're not here by accident. You're here for a purpose. You believe that? So God created this from the beginning for man to dwell with him and with each other, to be in proximity with him. That's where cities happen. Think about the two million people that live here. You guys know there's two million people here? Two million? We are very close to one another, right? Yes? <laughs> Do you have someone that lives above you? Do you have someone that lives below you, possibly? Do you have someone literally where the buildings are touching each other because the foundations are whack now? Like the other, our old apartment, I was always looking across the street. The, and the, the, the houses, the roofs were touching each other. I was like, I don't think that's structurally. Anyways, like we're so close to one another that our houses are touching. <laughs> like this is what happens in a city, that we get together, we get close. The original tent was for people to live together in proximity and intimacy, but we all know, right? Sin comes, and Adam and Eve choose the words of evil over the words of God, and, and sin takes place, and they are, they, are, they are kicked out of the garden. And so God's plan wasn't destroyed. It was just changed. It was his intent for us to stay in that garden and to flourish because he cares about it. He wanted people to be together and be in proximity. But when sin came in, no longer does proximity mean that you also get intimacy. You with me? The original time was for intimacy and proximity. Now, in cities, what we get is proximity. We don't necessarily get, if you don't follow Jesus, you're not getting the intimacy of the Father. You with me? And so it wasn't that God's plan blew up and he didn't know what to do, but sin came into the picture. And then, and then we got to hold on. We'll get there. We're going to get to hope. It's going to be good. But we got to understand something that even after that moment of the garden, it says that Cain, Adam and Eve's son, went out and began to build cities. 
He began to, to go and build cities. We, we get the picture of, uh, of Babel where the people began to build a tower to get back to God's original plan. We see all this unfolding. People are trying to get back to not just have proximity with one another, but to have intimacy. We see all throughout Scripture that God cares about cities and he wants people to come, but, but because of sin, it, 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 it changed the plan of God to cause us to lose out on intimacy with him. But I'm thankful that God had a plan from the beginning. Anybody thankful that God had a redemption plan from the beginning? So we affirm that God cares for cities in this house. We see God's care and heart for cities, not just in the garden, but all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout parts of the New Testament. I mean, like, he wants to see cities flourish. He wants to see cities no longer torn down. Why? Because there's a lot of people in cities. Why does God care about cities? Because there's more people there. I'm not, hear me. I love the suburbs. <laughs> but Tim Keller says it best. You guys all know Tim Keller? Meaning of marriage? Is that what he, is that what he wrote? Yeah? I, I did not read it. <laughs> but babe, I love you. <laughs> Anyways, tough crowd today. Third time. Tim Keller says this. I did not say this. But it was, it, it was profound. That God cares about cities. It says this. He was talking about his friend, his friend named Bill Crispin. Bill Crispin used to say, Bill, uh, Tim Keller's quote is saying this, used to say that the country is the place where there are more plants than people, which is not a bad thing. Sometimes I need plants more than I need people. And the city is the place where there are more people than plants. Since God loves people far more than he loves plants, he loves the city. He cares for the city. It says that when God sees the city, he loves it. He weeps over it. He cries over it. Why? Because there are people, a lot of people here in this city, two million people, that if we don't go and share the good news of Jesus Christ, they're going to spend eternity separated from him. I know what I want to say, but I'm just. When's the last time you thought about that? Two million people. If we don't tell them who is. Jesus cares. God cares about this place. He says that he hopes and he desires for all men to come to repentance. That no man would be separated from him. It doesn't just happen. But it happens when we go, man, God, you, you care about this city. You care about the people that are held captive by the lies and the narratives that are destroying people's lives here in the city. You care about seeing sin broken off and bondage broken off. You care about all this, God. You care about seeing the cities flourish and thrive with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder if we could just rise up such faith to go, man, maybe there is a revival about to break out in this city. Man, maybe we could actually see violence stop for just one day, maybe a whole week, maybe a whole month. Maybe we wouldn't have to see violence and shootings and murders happen and be the plague and the story all across the globe of Chicago, but that we could actually hear stories about how there are people getting healed, how there's marriages getting healed, how there's children being set free, how there's all this stuff happening. You know why? Because Jesus cares about this city. His heart is broken over this city. And we don't have time. I, we don't have time to play games, get in petty arguments, get in... Because there's people dying. 
23 people die. I'm shoveling today. Weeping. Weeping as I'm shoveling snow, not because I'm mad. Because I'm like, man, there's, there's 2 million people here. What if everybody in this room just told two people about Jesus? What would happen? What, what would change? I think a lot. Do you believe that this morning? God cares about this city. He cares about seeing people set free. And so we have to live differently here in this city. If we're going to see that, we got we to take a different narrative, a different story. And we confront this city through the counterformative callings on our lives. We, as the people of God, have a calling that is counter to culture. If we're going to see two million people come to know Jesus, then we have to come to grips that we have a different calling on our lives. You with me? If you are trying to fit in with your friends, you're missing it. If you're still trying to get invited to the places that God removed you from, we're missing it. Because God says, no, no, I have a different calling, a counter-formative calling on your life. And you know what it is? What Jesus says all the time, follow me. Follow me. Follow me, guys. Don't follow this or that. Follow him. That's what he said all throughout. The, 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 the call on our lives is to be formed and shaped by the presence of God in and among us and following and doing the things that Jesus would do. What gets hard and what gets Christians all discombobulated? Good word. What happens? It's a good word, right? Is that we start seeing how the world's going. We see how hard it is to continue to follow Jesus. And we start to go, well, I can just have a little bit. I can just have an, a little bit. I can just have a little bit. You know, a little bit leads to a lot. Some of the things that I, I counsel when I counsel people, and they're like, how did I get to this moment? That's a massive, big moment. I go, well, this didn't start yesterday. Right? You start giving little by little by little by little, and you start to dismiss the voice of the Holy Spirit, and that's when you find yourselves in a wreck. That's another sermon another time. Just take that for what you want. But as you practice the way of Jesus, as you get close to Jesus, what happens to us is that we think that's the better route because the kingdom of heaven will always come into conflict with the kingdom of the city. Our callings will come into conflict with the city's calling. With the, with the rulers and the, and the powers of principalities and darkness, we believe that they are ruling over this city. And our calling will come against that. And it will not be easy. It will not be fun. It will not feel good all the time. It will not feel good when we have to be the peacemakers. Hello? It will not feel good when you want to just go, I deactivated one of my social medias and it's been awesome. Like, it doesn't feel good when you just want to get on there and just... Like, just keyboard kill the mess out of that person. No, no one's ever wanted to do that, just me? Praise God, Rach. We have a strong church of peacemakers. Let it be, Lord. Doesn't that feel hard when you know you've been cheated, when you know you've been wronged, when you know you've been hurt, and the call for us is, your calling's different. Your calling's to be a peacemaker. No, God, just this one time, please. (laughs) No, your calling looks a lot different, way different. We're called to be meek. We're called to reconstruct the walls of this city, not tear them down. 
the natural kingdom of this earth, the, the worldly kingdom of this earth and of the city will come into conflict with our calling. It's going to be hard. It's going to not feel good. But I'm telling you, church, this is the way we're going, and we're encouraging all of us to go after this because our reward is not here on this earth. We do not care what we get here on this earth. I don't care if I get spit on. I don't care if I get beaten. I don't care if I get destroyed. What I care about is when I get to Jesus and he says, hey, Jay, well done. Well done. You fought. You did everything you could. You went after my kingdom. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't, it wasn't the best thing. It wasn't rainbows and butterflies. It didn't always look good. But you went after me. And can I tell you something? The more that we can do this, you know what actually happens? Is we actually live with more peace. Because if you're claiming Jesus and you're trying to do this thing opposite of the way that he called us to, you will feel so unsettled in your spirit. But when you enter into the calling that God's placed on our lives to impact the city, you'll have peace. You'll have supernatural peace. We're countercultural to the calling of this city. We detach ourselves from every earthly structure. Is this okay this morning? We, we detach ourselves from the systems of this city. The systems, uh, guys, there are, there are literal principalities of darkness that rule and reign in the city that are calling people's attentions, addictions, violence. Do you, do you understand that the spirit of violence and chaos is a real thing? That these kids that are, that are, that are going and stealing cars, it's, it's much more. It's deeper. There is a spiritual war for their soul. I believe this. Wake up, church. This is not this is not crazy talk. This is this is this is actually normal in other countries to talk about this stuff. But there are literally stealing, and we're going, no, 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 no. No, we have the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is going to be counter to everything else. We're going to actually see the, the, the darkness of principalities and of other gods be torn down off of the city, torn off of people's lives, and we're going to actually see people walk in freedom. I might be preaching to one person, maybe five, but I believe this in my heart. That as we enter into our calling, we're going to actually see the kingdom of God come alive like never before. Isn't it awesome when you see people set free? Oh, it's so fun. I just, I love it. I love seeing people set free. How does it happen? When we stop trying to say our calling is of the world. Our calling is to follow Jesus. This is crucial. Because as we know our calling, we got to understand something, too, that the city is where culture is cultivated. Okay? We understand this. I, I, I mean, I, I hope so. That out of cities flows culture. It, it's the truth. Like, like, everything that impacts, like, think of it this way. Let me bring it home. I've been in Chicago, Illinois, my whole life. What happens in Chicago impacts the entire rest of the state. That's why they've been trying to make Chicago its own little state. You think I'm lying. Go down south for a few weeks. They're like, I hate that place. <laughs> No, it's real. Like, I, they're just like, just seg, because everything that happens here flows into there. What happens in Chicago? It's the waterway to the Midwest. What happens in the city? Prophetically speaking, there was a dream on, given to us that like, what happens in this city will flow to the rest of the Midwest. And so we got to understand something, that in this city, cultures cultivated and created. What happens in the city will begin to flow out. Tim Keller says, and he continues to say in his book on the city, he says, most of our entertainment our learning, our politics, and our busyness, and our businesses are forged in cities, as they have always been. Today, you have only to look at the movies and fashion produced in Los Angeles or New York to see how influential cities are, particularly among the young and particular, particularly in globalized world. Tim Keller understands this. Many people understand this, that our calling's different, 
But we have to know that what happens in this city is going to produce to the rest of this state, rest of this region. What happens in New York, what happens in L.A., what happens in Jacksonville, what happens in any other cities across this globe, they impact the surrounding areas. Think of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament, Babel, Sodom. What happened, what gods they were serving, flowed out to the rest of the region. What was happening in Rome, New Testament, who they were giving their attention to, following the emperor, flowed out to the rest of the region to build the Roman Empire. If we don't think that what happens in the cities actually matters, we got to get to our Bibles and understand that what happens in cities will flow out to the rest of the region. Why am I saying this? Because as the city goes, that's how society goes. If you want to win the countryside, you have to reach the city. Because what happens here will dictate and speak to the rest of this place. It's crucial. We have to say, okay, so if we know culture is created here, then we have to influence the city by our engagement. And our, gate, and our engagement has to be faithful. If we're going to say, man, not only is our calling important to know who we are called, that as, as sons and daughters we are called, but now we actually have to engage. See, that's where the rubber meets the road. You with me? See how this is flowing? Is this okay? It's not just good to get a calling from God to be called sons and daughters. We got to get in the game. Guys, if you're on the sidelines, it's not where God called you. If you think it's the pastor's job to proclaim it all the time, we're missing it. If you think it's your old group leader to, to foster and care for your relationship with Jesus, he's gonna, he, he or she will come alongside and continue to help you, but it's, it's on you. It's our job as individuals and as the church body to faithfully engage with this city, to come along the city, to, to bring the message of Jesus is Lord, to proclaim that he is king, to proclaim that he is risen, to proclaim that, hey, I follow the way that is above every other way. I serve the king that is above every other king. I have given my life to the one that loves me and loves you and cares for you. It's faithfully engaging with this city, even when it gets hard. Even when there's 27 inches of snow. Uh, we are called to be salt and light. Is your flavor good? Do people around you know that they, they follow Jesus? I'm not telling you, you got to walk into your workplace or your school every day and, I love Jesus! Like, it might get a little weird. The best way to show Jesus is not by your words, but by your actions. Do people know that you love Jesus? Are you faithfully engaging with those around you, even when it doesn't feel good, it's not right, it's not fun, it, it hurts, it's messy, it's hard? Are you faithfully engaging? I had a brother reach out this week, he reached out to a couple of us men and he said he walked into a store, and in the store, uh, a, a gentleman began to just kind of lose it and was losing it on a person, or vice versa. I don't know if it was a man. Forgive, forgive me for these minor details, but he said immediately he just started to pray. He said he got in the store and just started praying. Like, like they're screaming, I'm leaving, <laughs> right? I'm like, no, thank you. Not today, devil. Not today. Like, no? Okay. He stays. He begins to pray, and the guy just kind of looks, just walks out the store. 
You know that should be common? You know, as we see chaos, as we see stuff just happening in our businesses, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, among our blocks, we should be people that walk up and start calling down heaven. Start praying and interceding. I'm not telling you to start screaming out loud at the top of your lungs. You can simply just say, Holy Spirit, arrest this moment right now. You should be walking into places and places should be changing. They should be changing because why? You have the power of the Holy Spirit in and among you. Your homes should look different. Your home should be places not of chaos, but of peace. What you allow into your homes matter. It's super important that we catch this because we have to be faithful in every area of our lives, not just Sundays, not putting the masks on, not these masks, but the masks that I'm a good Christian, I'll show up on Sunday. No, day in and day out, hour by hour, minute by minute, faithfully engaging with this city. Showing up to the break room or the Zoom break room, if that's a thing. And people are gossiping about Nancy. Why Nancy? They're gossiping about Nancy. We as Christians find ourselves too quickly going to talk about Nancy. Instead of walking in and going, hey guys, if you got beef with her, go tell her. But man, like, there's enough tearing down in this world. Maybe, maybe we just maybe need to go talk with Nancy about what's going on. Why, why you're so hurt by her. Hello? Because this is the truth of who we are. We are called to be peacemakers. We're not called to be gossip festers. <laughs> That's a good word. Write that one down. Add it to the dictionary. Thank you. We're not called to give in to fear, insecurity, doubt. I know I'm going. I'm a few, few more moments. We are called to faithfully engage with this city as we practice the way of Jesus. Guys, I can't wait. I've had knee surgeries, ankle surgery. It's awesome. I can't wait. I want to jump so high. I can't wait to see you, me, us, go and engage in this city like never before. Man, go home. Shuffle your neighbor's driveway. Pastor, that's a lot of work. Who cares? Just pray in the spirit. He'll strengthen you by the mighty power. Go bring the single mom that lives right next door to you or above you. Bring her a meal. Engage with her. Don't get so upset because she wears high heels every day on top of the floor and you just hear it. Like, just love her. Engage faithfully because that's the call of heaven. Because why? We are called to bring reconciliation in this city. Our calling matters. Faithfully engaging matters. What happens in this city will flow everywhere else. And guess what? The best thing that we can do to offer this city is to bring reconciliation. What is reconciliation? The gospel message of Jesus Christ, a.k.a. salvation. Those two million people. That's where we're going and who we're going after. It matters. It's important. We are called to bring the gospel message of Jesus. For 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Anybody thankful for that? Let me say this over this room because some people don't feel new right now. You don't need new clothes. You don't need a new hairstyle. You don't need new makeup. You're brand new by Jesus. Your old life, the old junk, the old stuff. That's why I said about these men that were just prayed over. Their old life is gone. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. Yo, Jay, you're not who you were 10, 12 years ago. Yo, Jay, you're not the same guy that who you used to be. No, you are brand new in Jesus Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. And praise Jesus. Why don't you just thank Jesus for one minute about being brand new? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. 
who through Christ reconciled himself, us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul talks about he, he reconciled to us and then gave us the gift to be reconcilers and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Guys, our mouths should burn to tell people about Jesus. I know COVID hit and it kind of shut things down and made us all kind of just be like this, right? How many of you used to love leaving your apartment? How many of you don't want to leave your apartment anymore? My hand's up. I used to go, I was gone all the time. We'd be out everywhere. Now I'm like, it's nice to be home. (laughs) Babe, let's just go downstairs. It's so much better. No, enough of that. Like, we're going to stay home. We're going to enjoy time together. It's going to be beautiful. But we should be getting out there. Get on your Zoom calls. Private message somebody on the Zoom calls. Appropriately. Please, don't hear The Lord's pressed them on their heart. Message them. Say, yo, I'm praying for you right now. You're going to get probably a what? Yes, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would just come and minister to your heart. Jesus loves you, period. Have a blessed time on Zoom. Guys, come on. This is it. Because, guys, as we... Do this, we're going to see change. We're going to see change. We're going to see change. And how we maintain to do this, this is it, my last thing. We transform the city through our dynamic discipleship. Okay? So it's almost like a circle. We got to keep going through it. We got to keep getting to Father, knowing our calling, knowing our purpose, sharing the message, but keep going to Jesus. Keep going to Jesus. Keep attaching ourselves to Jesus. Because, guys, when you start to go out, when we as a church start to go out and proclaim the things of Jesus over the city into the darkest places, Satan's going to come after us. Oh, you want to you wanna, you wanna know how good it is to serve Jesus? You want to know how, how good God is? Start telling people about Jesus. <laughs> Pastor, you just lost a bunch of people. No, I didn't. It's so good. When you see someone else get free, it's awesome. But Satan's going to come after you. There's hope. There's hope. Like, like, I don't know how my father or grandfather used to say it, but he said, you want to know the measure of your nearness to the father? How much is Satan messing with you? <laughs> Doesn't build a church very often, but it'll build soldiers. So as we do all these things, we need to keep going back and getting discipled by the Father. We need to keep going to the heart of the Father. We need to keep going and being formed and shaped by his presence. We need to make sure that that we are not more about them than about what's happening in our hearts and in our lives. Hear me on this. I've talked all about the city, right? I've talked all about how we impact it. And as a church, we've talked about, let's get out there, let's get out there, let's get out there. And it's important. You just heard this whole sermon. I'm almost done. Two more minutes. You with me? You got two minutes? Maybe four. Maybe three. All about it. But for far too long, I I preached on the city so many times. And I've come home and been like, man, why is it not happening? Because I think as a church body, this is where I say sorry. We have focused on reaching them instead of ministering to here. Because if this is not healthy, if this is not whole, we can't go out there. Hello? You can, you'll get burned out. You might hurt some more people than you might help. But this is why discipleship matters in this house. This is why we say get into an old group now more than ever. This is why we're saying certain things like, yo, show up, be a part of it. Why? Because we believe about the callings on our lives and on your lives. 
We're saying, man, we want to sharpen one another. Iron sharpens iron, so does man to another, right? We want to build each other up with strong discipleship so that we can go from here and go out there. You can go from the times of being at the table with one another in your intimacy with the Father and go out there. If you try to go out there before you have time in, in those intimate moments by yourself with those people around you at your old groups or here, we're going to miss it. We've got to keep getting discipled. This is why I said as the family, we can't be scared of intimate conversations. We can't be scared of stuff that we have in us. Let me say this from the pulpit. If you have stuff you're dealing with, you're welcomed in this house. You're caught in sin, you're welcomed in this house. You're caught in some heavy stuff, you're welcomed in this house. We're going to love you. We're going to come alongside you. We're going to believe in you. We're going to believe in God to do great things in you. We're going to speak life into you. We're going to continue to call you out of it and call you higher. But we want a place where this is strong so then that can be impacted. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a man during World War II in the church, the German church, and Nazis were beginning to take over and beginning to raise up a mighty army to go and do the things that they did. Dietrich Bonhoeffer watched as the German church started to give in to the voice of the Nazi propaganda and started to fall to, to that dictator, Hitler, and started to just see all this stuff that was messy. I don't have time to go into it. Read on Dietrich Bonhoeffer's life, Life Together, Discipleship. It's, all, it's powerful. But there's a part of his story where he was called to go start a school of ministry. Let's just call it that. A college where he was going to equip and train leaders of the gospel. In the midst of World War II about to launch off. And it was against all rules and regulations. It was completely illegal. But one of his buddies came. After he had taken a trip to America, he went back to do this. They tried to keep him in America. Dietrich Bonhoeffer later was killed in a concentration camp. They tried to keep him in America saying, don't go back there. Don't do this. It's not going to go well. And he said, no, no, I know what God's called me to do. So he went back. And he starts this school up and he starts raising disciples and people that are following the ways of Jesus, people that are going to go and share the gospel. It said that these people went out to the streets and into these concentration camps and began to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ and people got saved. It's powerful, but what was so powerful is a friend comes and Dietrich takes them on a, a rowboat or they, they row out onto a, um, a river and they enter this mountain and they get up on top of this mountain. And Dietrich points and says, hey, that's where the school is over there. And down there, it was an airstrip for the German army. And soldiers, the man said, thousands of soldiers just getting in line in place. And Dietrich said, the generation is seeing a radical, insane, demonic force being raised up. We're raising up leaders that love Jesus and are sold out for him. But in order for that to be changed, this has to be stronger than that. That people that follow Jesus have to be much stronger in their beliefs and in knowing who Jesus is if that's ever going to change. Because this is a really strong thing. How many of you know that was a crazy demonic thing? But man, this has to be stronger for that than that. And I'm here to say today, we have to get strong. We, Oasis, I'm just talking to you, have to get strong. Because if we're going to see this change, the city, we have to be strong. Do you believe that, church? Do you want this? Do we desire this? To influence and change this city, that this city will be turned upside down. That we'll see revival. We'll see salvations. 
We'll see homes restored and marriages restored and kids restored. Oh my God, please let it be, Lord. I pray. Just bow your heads. We're going to close this way today. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you will reconcile this city back to your heart. But first, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will burden our heart, that you will break our hearts for this city. That, Father, that we will just follow the way of Jesus, that we will get so close, that we will be discipled and grow in you, God, to be strengthened, to go then and change and transform this city, oh God. Father, this city you love and you've called it, and you've called us to be here. And so as we're here, God, we just ask for strength. We ask for courage. We ask for boldness. I pray, God, that we would not get annoyed with what's going on, but, God, we would get burdened. We would not get fearful with what's going on, but we would get burdened. We would not just find ourselves in our homes, closing the doors, shutting it up, but, Father, we would be people that get out, and we will see people be reconciled back to your heart, the same salvation that we have experienced. Oh, God, would people experience the radical love of you? God, I pray you would do a great and mighty work in this city that you would transform it by your Spirit's power, we pray. And Father, as we go on this journey, as we enter into this new season here at this house, I pray, God, that you would continue to lead, guide, and direct us. That we would step where you were calling us to step. We would stay if you've called us to stay. And that we would see you move in mighty ways. We love you, and we bless you. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. And everybody says... Come on, everybody says, come on, can we bless Jesus one time in this place? Come on, stand to your feet.